0: Chumba. Chumbacasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why well, don't you go ahead and minister to us the word of the Lord and we'll have communion right after this. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Can everyone stand as we read the word of the Lord, please? If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verse 19 to 22. Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone In him the whole building will join together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him you too are built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit dear Lord. Thank you for bringing us here today, Lord, to come together in this wonderful Sunday morning, to be able to hear your word, to learn your message, Lord. Lift us our spirits, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit fill this room, Lord, from wall to wall, from door to door, from back to front, Lord. Let this message be your message, Lord, and not mine. Move me out of, out of the way, Lord, as your message comes clearly to those who need to hear it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. may may have a seat.
0: Let me go ahead and be seated. Ken is a busy man here for the Lord. He's very passionate about the Lord, okay? On Mondays, he teaches Acts 29, Discipleship Program. On Thursday, he does the youth group called Relentless. Relentless, okay? Also, he does your bulletin on a given Sunday morning, amen? And also, he's with Pastor every morning at 5.30 praying. Are you with me? I came in on a holiday you know, because the Lord waked me up at 5. He said, you need to go to the church and pray. But God, I was there uh, talking to some people at 12 o'clock, but you need to go. But anyway, when I came here about 5.43, 5.45, Ken, the lights were on here, and he was praying. And I said, Ken, I said, Ken, this is a holiday. He said, what more can I do to spend my holiday in prayer in the presence of God? Come on. I'm praying that the passionate that he has will get into you. Amen. And he's an answer to my prayers. Hallelujah. So I want people to be passionate just like your pastor. Amen. Even more. Come on. This is how we need to be for the Lord. Okay, okay I thought I had to share that.
1: Thank you. You forgot to want us and uh, leading prayer on Friday nights. But that's okay. Who's counting? Oh, you forgot the website and the live stream, too, but that's okay. No, 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 no. As I said before, I don't take credit for the things God is doing through me with the Holy Spirit. I do everything for his honor, not mine? I do everything for his purpose and not mine. God has put me on this incredible journey, and so long as he tells me what to do and how to do it, I'm going to continue to do it with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind, okay? So give him credit for everything that has happened here, (laughs) not me. So now we're in the middle of this series um, that was inspired by a Rick Warren article, Pastor Rick Warren. And basically the question is the same question that everyone asks from time to time. Why am I here? Why am I on this planet? Why was I made? Last week we dealt with number one was we were made for God's pleasure this week. We're going to deal with number two, where we were made for God's family. Rick Warren says that don't just be believers, but be belongers. Christianity was made to be done with others. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, If one member suffers, all suffers. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. There are no lone wolves in Christianity. Even Jesus had disciples. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them free will as a result of love, not only love for him, but love for each other. He wanted us to experience real love with one another. In John 13, 34 to 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. According to Rick Warren, the words one another are used 58 times in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, pray for one another, exhort one another, encourage one another, greet one another. Are you getting a point? We're made to love each other as a family of God. You know what else a family of God can be called? A church. This is a building. We are the church. The church is the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4-5, for just as each one of us ha- has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member be- belongs to all of us. We're the church. Whenever we meet together, We're the church. It doesn't have to be this building. It could be at your house. It could be at Starbucks. It could be anywhere. We are all the family of God, but so many of us don't understand what that means to be the family of God. How many people have a family? All of your hands should be raising up. Some people don't have a family. Well, guess what? You're going to have a family now when we're done. We are a church family. We are to be here for one another. There are three main purposes I want to touch on as what it means to be part of the church family. The first one is to help each other grow spiritually. Ephesians 411 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity and faith in the knowledge of the Son and God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're here as a family. We can learn from one another. We can hold each other accountable. We can encourage one another. We can counsel one another. We can walk together in Christ with one another. We're here to support each other, not break each other down. We're here to encourage each other. We're here to disciple each other. We're here to lift each other up, not talk about each other, not point fingers to another. I want you to turn to the person next to you, to your right. I want you to turn to your person on your right. Come on now. This is interactive time here at church. And I want you to say, you are my brother or sister in Christ. That makes us family. I'll be here to help you, encourage you. Now I want you to turn to the person on your left. And I want you to tell them, you are my brother or sister in Christ. That makes us family. I want to be here to help you and encourage you. The second thing that we need to do as a church, as a family, is to begin to empower one another. The power to reach out, the power to pray, the power to help those in need. And let me tell you, my mom called me yesterday, and she talked about my nephew, who's going through some physical problems now. They, he's 30 he's a 13 years old. 14 years old. Sorry, Lucas. But she said, I, I'm calling you Ken because I know you believe in the power of prayer. Can you pray for your nephew? Can you pray for healing? The doctors don't know what's wrong with it. His bones seem to be deteriorating. He can't even walk anymore. He's 14 years old. That's all he should be doing is walking and running. But all in all, he has a great attitude. He has a great smile on his face. And so I said, of course I'll pray, because I know the power of prayer. I will pray for any member of my family, and you're my family, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ." So I will pray for you, and I will pray for you, whatever it is you need. I come here 530 in the morning because God told me to come here at 530 in the morning. He's telling me, if you want big things to happen, you need to come see me every day. And he's the creator of the universe, so if he tells you to do that, I'm going to have to do it. I love Pastorville, but I don't come here for Pastorville. I come here for God. Because I know how important prayer is. I know how it works. We have power to pray, to heal, to reach out, to counsel. And as a family, the third thing we need to do is to love one another. We're not here to judge. Only God judges. We're not here to pretend. We're not here to say, oh, well, we don't have sin. We have it all together. We know we're sinners. We know we need help. We don't ask for it, but we should. You should ask your brother and sister for help because they're here for you to help each other, to love one another. We're here to let them know that they don't have to do this alone. The one thing about Christianity is it was never made to be done alone. Yet there's so many people who try to do this by themselves. That's not how it works. When we pray on Friday nights, we we encourage everyone to pray because one person is a soldier, two people is an army. And we want as many members of God's army as we can. This is a fallen world, and we face incredible obstacles. But if we come together together, If we stick together, if we love one another and not judge one another, we all have sin. We all have sin. And some of their sins are bigger than some are less than some of my sins. Being Christian isn't being perfect. It's being a sinner, knowing that you've been saved by grace. And if you know that, then you're willing to humbly reach out and not judge someone, but listen to them. Counsel them, bring them before the Lord, pray for them. Love is the key to what it is to be a Christian. Love is the key to what it is to be a church. But let me tell you what a church is not. A church is not entertainment. You're not coming to the theater. You're not coming to the movies. You're coming to the house of the Lord. When you come and you worship, and I tell my relentless kids, Up here, what are they doing? What are they doing, relentless kids up here? They're leading worship. Who are they leading? You. And who are they worshiping to? God. When you come to worship, they're not singing to you. They're leading you, singing to him. And he is watching you. If you go to a a concert and you see a band member who's just standing there like this, while the rest of them are singing, you're going to notice that, right? You're going to notice when they're like... What once you think God doesn't notice that? Worship is for him, not for you. You are singing to him. The church is not babysitting. We cannot just drop our kids off and go. Pastor Anita says something great. Don't drop your kids off. Come with your kids. Come with your kids. If you know someone who does that, reach out to them. Bring them in. Have them experience what church is. Church It's not babysitting. It's not time to kill. It's a time to worship and praise the Lord because you made it through another week, because you made it through another day, because you're breathing. You woke up this morning. I can't tell you how how funny it is that we all think tomorrow is promised, how funny it is that we think we're going to live at the end of this service, because that's not promised. That's not guaranteed. It could all end in a second. It could all end when you go to the parking lot. So worship and praise the Lord for what you're doing here. You've made it through another week. You've made it through another day. You're here now. He deserves your praise. He deserves. And once again, the church is not for you, it's for God. We're here to praise Him, we're here to glorify Him, we're here to love one another. Together we praise him by the end of the week. So what do you do? You reach out to one another. You empower one another. You disciple each other. You join Acts 29. You join WCBC. You learn to grow with God one another. Let me tell you. I teach Acts 29, which is a discipleship program. And um, it's a small group, about 10 or 12 of us. And uh, one day we came together about a few weeks ago and we talked about you know, how to disciple, how to evangelize. And one of the things we learned about evangelizing is the great way to get into speaking about God is by using your own personal testimony. And so I had each and every one of them tell me their own personal testimony. And I was in awe, I was shocked. And all I kept saying is how good God is. Because he took 12 people from 12 different parts of life experiencing 12 different things and he brought them together and he saved each and every one of them. And that's why they're here today. And at that point, I wanted to I wished there was an atheist there because at the end of the testimony, I wanted to turn to them and say, now you tell me there's no God. Now you tell me there's no God. These people had nothing in common together, but the fact that they've been saved by grace. And God has changed their lives. They're a family now. But they're not the only family. You're all family. And I love each and every one of you. And I don't even know some of your names. But I still love you. And you need to turn to each other. And you need to tell each other I love you. In fact, turn to the person to the left of you. And I want you to say, I love you. I know you've been through a lot, but so have I, and I love you. Now turn to the person to the right of you and tell them, I know you've been through a lot, and so have I, and now I love you. How great would that be If every single person in this house, when they came in here, knew that they're coming into a place where we truly love them, no matter what they've done, no matter what has said, no matter what their life has been. If we can come in here and the first person tells them, I love you, I don't care what you've done. I know you've had it hard, so have I, but I love you and so does Jesus. That's family. That is family. And that is what we are. So how do we act as a family, as a church family? Well, first thing we need to do is we need to become relentless believers in Christ. These kids here are from a group called Relentless, your children. Every Thursday night we meet and we have these youth youth, uh, services. And it's full of fire and it's full of passion and and they love it and they raise their hands and they honestly tell their stories and they thank Jesus and they praise him and they worship. And guess what? They're ahead of you. You need to catch up to them. We need to have that kind of passion in the church. We need to have that kind of drive in the church. We need to know that we are relentless because you have to be relentless because the world is against you. The world is against you. The media is against you. The news is against you. The popular culture is against you. People think Christians are weird. People Christians, Christians are hypocrites. People think Christians are a cult. These are lies. So in order to, to stop that, to break that, we need to show true Christianity. We need to be relentless in the spirit. We need to show true love. We need not to judge others, but to show them the way of life. Show them the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. The next thing you need to do is you need to invite your friends. And by friends, I mean your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. You need to continually invite them. More than 80% 80 of people who go to a new church were invited there. It didn't have to do with advertising. It didn't have to do with internet. It didn't have to do with social media. It had to do with an invite. I remember when Gina and I were invited to a new church in Visalia, how important it was that we recognized someone's face there. Invite them. Reach out to them. I know it's scary. I know you don't want to ruffle feathers. You think they might get insulted. But a simple invite, hey, let's go to church. You want to go to church? All they can say is no. And guess what you do next week? You invite them again. And you invite them again. And you invite them again. Until they're so fed up with you inviting them that they'll finally go to church. Because you're going to save their lives. You're going to save their lives Through Jesus Christ. You're going to change it. You're going to bless it. You're going to make it important. And if you love your family and if you love your friends and if you love the people you work with, why wouldn't you want to save their lives? Why do you want them to go to hell? I don't. I don't want them to go to hell. I want all of us to be saved. So invite them here. The next thing you need to do is you need to seek his face. When we come here Sunday, this should be the culmination of what we've been doing all week. We should come here to worship and praise God. This should not be our only contribution to our family. This should not be the only way we participate with our family. Sundays, as Pastorville says, is not enough. You need to seek his face. And we have programs in this church that allows you to do that. In fact, March 3rd, I'm starting a new Acts 29 class, a 101 class. What's Acts 29 101? Acts 29 101 is a new Christian's discipleship program. We get to the basics of Christianity, but more important, we get to that, how it applies to your life. It happens Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. You could sign up in the Aloha Room or online. There is a way for you to start to seek His face. We're providing it for you. Then we have World Changers Bible College, an accredited Bible college, so you can continue your path. But most of all, we have you have your Bible. Take time every day to give to the Lord. I know we're busy. I know we have things to do. I know we're tired. I'm tired. But I still give the Lord time. Was it going to hurt you to give him 30 minutes, to give him an hour? That's a TV show. What's that going to hurt you? To open your Bible and say, God, speak to me today. That's not going to hurt. The next thing we need to do is we need to lead our family spiritually. Those of you who are parents in here, your kids emulate you. Everything they know from life and how to act, they're going to learn from you. Whether you tell them verbally or whether you act it out, they are watching you all the time, twenty-four-seven. And how they act in school is going to be how you act at home. So if You put church on the back burner, you put Christ on the back burner, you allow things to come before you, why wouldn't they? That's what mom and dad does. Mom and dad don't take Christianity seriously. They don't even read a Bible. I don't even know if we have a Bible. Maybe on our iPhone. Why would they learn any other way? I thank God for the kids who come in here despite their parents. I thank God for the kids who are relentless despite their family. But I don't want that to be the case. You older grandpas, grandmas, mothers, dads, you need to be the leader, the spiritual leader of your family. You need to set rules. You need to have devotion. You need to read your Bible. You need to do family prayer. Because I know all of you don't want your kids or grandkids to end up away from God. Trying to live their life on their own. And if the kids don't want to do it, so what? You're the leader. The kids have to do it. We don't let kids dictate our lives. We have to teach them, not them teach us. You're the leaders. You set the time. But most importantly, you show them how important God is to you and your family. And the next thing is you need to become the light. I love that the Relentless kids are here because they've heard all this before and they're like, all right, Ken, same old blah, blah, blah. Our motto in Relentless is we're training shepherds, not sheep. We tell them they need to become the light in their schools. They need to become the light in their families. They need to become a light among their friends because they're going to stand out. They're going to be different because they're Christian. But that's important because that means those friends, those families, those schoolmates, after they're done teasing them, after they're done making fun of them, will know that if things get rough, They can talk to them because they have an answer to their problems. And the answer is Jesus Christ. Don't hide your Christianity. Don't be embarrassed of it. It is important that you embrace it, that you stand out, that you shine, that people know not from what you tell them, not from your Facebook, that they know from the way you live your life and how you act that you're a Christian blessed by God and an eternal loving father. That's a blessing. It's not something to be embarrassed about. And the more you shine, the more they're going to come to you and they're going to ask you why it is you live the way you live. And that's where you bring them here, to meet the person that can change their lives. We're a family. We love one another. But guess what? Them out there, they're family too. They're lost. We need to bring them back. We need to bring them home. We need to reach out to them no matter what they are, and tell them, you need to come home because your father loves you and he's been winning for you for a long time. So I love you. Shine. Be the light. Be different. Stand out. Doesn't matter what they say to you. Doesn't matter if they make fun of you. Doesn't matter if they tease you. Doesn't matter if they talk about you behind your back. One day they will come to you because they need God. They just don't know it yet, and only God can help them. I want everyone to learn a, a new word. It's a Greek word I learned this week: koinoni. Koinoni. Can everyone say that? Koinoni. Koinoni. It means fellowship or communion in Greek. It appears twenty times in the in the bible early on when the christians formed a church when the disciples came together many people they thought had to they had to stick together just to survive but no i say they came together so they could thrive so in the face of persecution they can still spread the gospel it wasn't about survival for them they didn't care they knew eventually they were going to die but is what they could do while they were still alive to spread the word of Jesus. Acts 2, 41 and 42, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles of teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to praying. And the Lord added their numbers daily to those who were saved. 12 guys came together and changed the world. There are now more than 2 billion people who call themselves Christians in the world. 2 billion people who identify themselves as being Christians. But let's be honest. If 2 billion people acted like Christians, this would be a different world. We can't say we're Christians anymore. We have to start living like Christians. We have to start setting the example. Then the first thing we need to start is Here. Commit yourself to being a Christian. Seek his face. Tithe regularly. Trust in God. Love one another. Don't bagstab each other. Don't talk about each other. If you know that someone is talking about someone, then you pray for them. Then you pray for them. We talked about gossip this week. What happens when someone tells you a gossip of your friend? You confront your friend and you pray for them. You don't spread it. I'm telling you, they're ahead of you. We need to catch up to the kids. We need their faith. We need their passion. We need their drive. So that we all may be relentless in Jesus Christ. So if I'm standing here and I'm talking to you, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, you have no idea what is this Christianity in Christ, If someone invited you or you're watching me on the internet and you heard I was going to be speaking, hi everyone. I want to invite you into our family. We're not a social club. You can't pretend or try Christianity. You're either changed by Christ or you're not. I want to invite you to our family. So I want everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're here today, And you want to be part of the family again. And you want to participate. And you want to seek the Lord's face. You want to give your life up to Jesus. And you want to see what being a Christian is all about. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to be honest. I want you to tell me if you're living like a Christian or you just say you're a Christian. There's still a chance for you if you want honest Christianity, if you want Christ to actually change your life, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it high. Okay, you could put your hands down. I want us to say a little prayer. It's the first step to coming back to the Lord. It's called a prayer of redemption. The second step is baptism. And the third step we offer is Acts 29. So repeat after me, everyone. Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your grace. But I thank you that I have it. Lord, I accept Jesus Christ as my one and only Savior who died on the cross to set me free. And I promise this day, Lord, that I'm going to start living like a Christian and not just saying I'm a Christian. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be part of this Christian family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we're going to do communion with each other. And as we do communion, I want to invite you to listen to what Pastor is saying. Let it impart on your heart on the sacrifice Jesus made for your life. But most of all, I want you to make a decision as you leave that you're going to turn to someone you've never met. You're going to introduce yourself and you're going to tell them how much you love them because they're now your family. And if we continue to do this, If we spread God's love with each other and with others, we will change the world. Pastor Bill, thank you very much, everyone, for your time. It is Ryan
0: here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?